You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. It is our second ever uh, playoff episode, and we get to take on the our, our most hated rival, the Eagles. Yeah, and you can see what I'm wearing today. I'm wearing my special hat. This is an old school hat. From the 70s, I think I've only worn it in my head like 10 or 11 times. I only break it out for very serious events. I only break it out for key divisional games in December, games that get us into the playoffs, in the playoffs, Super Bowls, that type of thing. So I got the Sims jersey on. I got the special hat. This means business. And we are, you know, this is what it's all about, Grump. This is why we, you know, go to training camp. This is why we do draft previews. This is why we're fans. It's, you know, we suffer through for moments like this where we're in the playoffs and we're playing our most hated rival and, you know, bigger and better is possible. So enjoy it because this is awesome. So I am every article of clothing that I'm wearing is Giants stuff. Got my Giants sweatshirt on, hat, sweatpants in the background. You can see Giants jacket. I have eaten chicken wings for dinner every single night this week. Uh, because we're hunting birds this week. So, <laughs> well here then. Here's some birds for there, you. There you go. There's all the birds you need. I um <laughs> I got this comment I want to say like maybe 3 weeks back from someone at the gym just because I was wearing just like all Giants gear. It was just uh kind of looked at me and just like, "Well, if they lose, you at least did your part." Every day you're in this shit. And that's just kind of how I am right now. I'm, I'm wrapped up in the fervor for this this postseason, this run. This is awesome. This is amazing. It's funny looking back on earlier stuff this year um, because there's there was like the early season excitement as we did the, the, the big changeover, front office changeover, a whole new approach to the draft, new head coach. You get new, you know, assistant coach, you know, hirings and firings and then you know with that comes a big roster changeover and all these decisions and stuff and look back and there there was a lot of excitement too and then there was a lot of downtrodden stuff so we were wrong about a ton of stuff but also excited about a lot of funny stuff and I remember early on saying that you know if we go into a playoff run I'm going to shave my head and grow my beard and do the Dable thing and uh, lo and behold that actually happened um, it's just funny looking back on all that stuff. I was remembering earlier training camp. It, you were with me. So if you remember, Justin Pennick was just every time the offense did something that wasn't an absolute disaster, which wasn't that much. It was like maybe seven times that practice. Right. Uh, he would shout out that the Giants are back. And mm-hmm. here we are. We're in a divisional round playing against the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, I think technically the best team in the NFL by record, right? Yeah, I think you said something like we were talking about the Super Bowl last year, and this wasn't on the show. It just was just me and you. And I said something about Cincinnati, and you said, well, why not us? And I'm like, because we suck, and we re- this is a rebuild, and we're not even close to even joking about things like that. So 
Uh, the first fart I'll give for the night is to me for having no faith. <laughs> I, I so. think I mentioned on this show not like some eight weeks back saying like we're not going to this team's not going to the Super Bowl like very very succinctly and very definitely and here we are two games away from playing in a Super Bowl you know before we start our breakdown of the game and our thoughts and predictions and everything you know you mentioned, you know, like you know, it's a realistic possibility that this team, you know, can beat Philly. It's a realistic possibility that this team could beat the winner of San Francisco or Dallas and get into the Super Bowl. Um, how are you trying to keep yourself grounded for all this? Because a lot of Giant fans, in the course of twelve months, have gone from, you know, have the NFL take over ownership of this team and burn down the stadium to expecting to beat Philly and, you know, thinking Daniel Jones now is worth 40 and $50 million a year and is the best quarterback left in the playoffs and all these crazy things. So how are you keeping yourself grounded? And do you think that the fan base taking a temperature check is a little, I know we're all very, very excited and we are allowed to be very excited, but you think they're a little over their skis a little bit in expectations for what's going to happen Saturday and going forward. Um, so for me, I am wrapped up in this postseason. So um, my I, I, I want this game. I want this one bad. Um, so I am I'm expecting them to come at their best. Uh, we'll get into our predictions for the game, whatever, but I'm not uber confident. I'm not making any definitive se- I mean, Staying grounded is easy because everything, like like I just said, like we, we I very easily said a couple of weeks ago, like this team's not going to the Super Bowl. Everything is house money with this team right now. It just is. So it doesn't take much for me to really bring that back to that. Uh, right. That said, so so that that speaks more to confidence and like my expectations is really that. I, I just want them to go out there and not shit the bed. That's what I expect. I expect them to come out firing, competitive, and and, and bring the medal to them. Mm-hmm. Um, staying grounded as far as that, it, it's pretty easy uh, because all I have to do is my regular work for this show, which is listen to the opposition. And they have so much to be excited about right now. They're super duper healthy. They're healthier now than they were I uh, the, the first time we played them. Um, with the exception that we don't 100% know Jalen Hurts' ability, I think I'm not alone in thinking that they're kind of playing up his injury a lot more than it really is. I think it's strained. I don't think it's anything that would prevent him from throwing for 400 yards against a bad defense, though. So uh, they have a lot to be excited about. So all you have to do is read one article by an Eagles beat writer, and you're like, oh, shit, you know, this is uh, – they have a lot to be confident about, so it's pretty easy to stay grounded, in my opinion. I don't know, especially this is their this is their first playoff game too. They they were off last week, so this fan base has been, you know, chomping at the bit for two weeks and you know see their team play. I will say though, it, it's still difficult to stay grounded because, and I'm not going to sit here and tout the Giants' beat like they're fantastic journalists or anything like that. But Eagles journalists are generally pretty bad, and their podcasting. I I I have one that I generally really like that I tried. I had to shut off because it was so factually inaccurate. They were coming in there. Uh, there were like seven or eight mistakes. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like we played this team twice. They don't even know what the hell they're talking about. 
against like a division rival. I had to shut it off at the point where they said, well, the facts are the facts. These teams met at full strength and the Eagles decimated them. I was like, well, that is just simply not true. In fact, that's probably the biggest talking point we can really glean is mm-hmm. that these teams have not played at full strength yet at all. Right. I, I mean, so we. this is, I would say, is it weird to say that this is the first time ever there is a third matchup between teams in one year, but it's really going to be kind of the first time that they're playing at full strength. Uh, our first matchup, we were missing uh, McKinney, Jackson, Williams. Those are – that's – if you were to name – who are our five best players on defense? I would say right up there with uh, Lawrence and, yeah, those maybe, guys. And yeah. maybe Thibodeau, I guess, would be yeah. the other – the fifth. Right. Yeah, so it's three out of five of our best players were not playing in that game. Um, and then the second matchup, obviously, we were play, playing Davis Webb and the second and third stringers, and they were playing a really vanilla offense because they had a lot to hide for, they had a, they for had a, film. A quarterback was just kicking the the, uh, the rust off, too. Yeah, also. And they weren't going to have him run wild. Uh, he was, and he was also, sliding and stuff. So this is really the they, first time these teams are meeting. And they also knew that there was a potential that they would play us again. So why, you know, drop your fly and show yourself because you may see them again in a couple of weeks for a meaningless game. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they're scared. Um, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's that's probably the most interesting thing about this is that I tried. I knew about the injuries, right? But I tried to go back and really look at that game, and you really can't even glean anything from that first game. It's, I mean, you can, but it's really difficult. At the time, the Giants were still doing that heavy run with Saquon Barkley between the tackles and then run play action off of it style offense that they have in recent weeks, and I would almost say based on the second half of that game, maybe it stemmed from that. They haven't really run that system since then. They have switched to that throw it to Barkley out in the flat early and, you know, run a lot of Daniel Jones out in rollouts and, you know, manipulating the pocket, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, and crossing routes and all that kind of shit, emphasizing the pass first and run second. That's been their more recent offense. So the offense was completely different. And it was also at the time that was when Saquon was kind of wearing down. Well, and let's face it, too. I mean, that game, some football games just snowball out of control so quickly. Well, yeah, that's that the other thing. It doesn't matter what your game plan is or, you know, it's or if you would have adjustments you make when, you know, we got hit with a with a, a right left cross to the face in that game and we never recovered from it. And that, you know, that's how games got out of control. And, you know, this Philly team is very good. It's very potent, you know, on both sides of the ball. And then when once you get that thing going, we weren't catching up in that game. So. Well, yeah, that's that's it, it. You're entirely right. I mean, you had in there a, a first drive that was bad. I mean, they they really picked apart the defense. There's no defending that other than you're missing three out of your five stars. The second drive, I think they actually had them stopped on a fourth and eight, and they let them convert. And a direct result of the McKinney injury, you had Julian Love go over the top and try to play the interception instead of playing the ball in the pass breakup would have mm-hmm. actually ended that converted to a touchdown, and then. After that, 
You had the dropped punt by Jamie Gillen, where he just right. kind of like skip kicked it. That was a penalty that gave that there was a one shot play to AJ Brown at that point. I and mean, then a snowball is rolling down the there, hill. Yeah, now you're at twenty one nothing. I mean, now you really can't you can't look back at that game and be like, well, that was a fair. I mean, not that it was an unfair matchup, but it's not really. If you don't get off to that same start of stupid ass mistakes, and really. I don't think I've seen a Giants punter ever, other than Matt Dodge, do something like that. Oh, uh, Sean Landett in the '86 playoff game where he missed uh, the, the snap true. and he just he just missed it, and that's <laughs> that's the worst punt in Giants history. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not like the kind of mistake like a turnover, you know, that happens potentially once per game. That's that's like a silliness. Yeah football follies kind of play. And in this giant and this Eagles offense hasn't really been as good as it had been in that first half of the giant game since due to injuries and other, you know, factors. So, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, probably the biggest story going into this is that the giants appear fully healthy, just about, um, only a couple guys on the injury list. Ojalari is the only one that looks like he might be on a pitch count. It looks like his ability to play will be dictated, I think, by just like a pain tolerance. Yeah. And you know something? Even if he only plays 25% of the snaps, the way Wink kind of, you know, uses his defense and uses these guys, that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, strategic targeted plays for him. You know, I'd rather have 13 plays that really mean something than 50 or 60 if he gets worn down and is ineffective. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not kidding. I mean, we we can. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you finish just two seconds. But to further it. to further your point there, um, we can bitch about Ojolari's you know frailness or whatever. But that's a separate conversation. The the meat and potatoes of that is he is a statistical leader on this team he, mm-hmm. on the leaderboard, and I don't think he's really played a full game like like. I mean, he's never really a high snap count guy. So you're totally right. Like, even if he only gets something like 20 snaps in this game, they might be 20 meaningful stat-filled snaps. So mm-hmm. we, I mean, five and five and a half sacks or something like that. He hasn't this really might, played that much. This might be a game that, you know, you can clip this for later if I'm right or not. But, like, it might just take one or two quarterback pressures and or sacks and or strip fumbles that changes this game and if he's on the field for one of those and he's causing that i don't care if he's on the field for 80 percent of the other ones it's that one play in that one strategic moment you're 100 percent right i mean i think that almost goes to be that almost be par for the course for any playoff game but sure. yeah i would say especially this one mm-hmm. um some interesting notes uh fabian moreau was on the injury report and as it turns out, he was banged up at the very end of the last game. He was the reason Cordell Flott was on the field for the pass breakup he had on third down that mm-hmm. led to the fourth down there, which I thought was – that's pretty interesting. Um, have you Very been impressed with Cordell Flott? What's that? Have you been impressed with Flott? I mean, I I think we actually got more out of him than I expected this year. I thought he was a developmental pick that, you know, they put him in for some snaps. And I also thought, again – this season turned out a lot different than I thought it would. I thought he'd be playing more because, you know, this season is over and they wanted to get some reps in for him. But when these games got too important, you know, there maybe not a chance for, for opportunities for him just because of his, the, the youthful and rawness of him. But 
I think he's a guy that, you know, I, I see another off season with him, another, you know, learning this defense some more and getting more reps and getting, you know, potentially better, a, a rotational guy for sure. Um, what I thought was interesting was more so in the, the second matchup, he got a lot of playing time because he is a second teamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looked because of his nature of play. And I don't know if this was a, a wink Martindale mouth in the ear draft pick, or if this is just the way Joe Shane likes his corners or whatever, but he is a very physical hands on corner. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that lends itself well to man press coverage that wink can run and run his whatever cover one cover zero blitzes and and shit. But that really helped on AJ Brown. I mean, that shut him the fuck down. Yeah. And I think also the, the more experience and the more confidence he has, he can play more of that press coverage and be, you know, not being in the, and the coaches will have more confidence in him as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, other interesting note on injuries, uh, we all thought it was kind of weird that like a cart came out for Pinnock. He's kind of getting a shot to the gut there. And then I think he was released from a hospital later that night. Mm-hmm. He actually bruised his small intestine. Oof. And I think the hospital had to do with, I, I assume that this had to do, it had something to do with his ability to fly. So I guess like pressurized cabin of the the flight might, I don't know, rupture something. Potentially, I don't know. That's crazy. I've if never heard of that or something. I could, I could see that as a possibility. That's pretty wild. But he yeah. is a uh, full participant today. So Good. the only one that it looks like it's going to be uh, is, is Ojolari on a pitch count. Mm-hmm. Eagles, on the other hand, do you think Jalen Hurts is fine? What are you, What are your thoughts? I think they might be playing a little bit of possum. I think I think it's somewhere between, you know. I think it's somewhere in between the the fear that he's not 100% and him and him being 100%. I think he's adequate enough. I I, I we'll see pretty quickly. I think uh, how much he's running around. If you see him kind of trying to be stationary in the pocket, that will tell me he's not 100%. And then that'll give me a, a nice smile that you know he can be contained. And this because this offense isn't the same without him being himself. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles I, are without – oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was say, I think we're going to know pretty early, I think. Well, that's interesting. Uh, maybe. We'll get to that when we get to the actual game thing. But real quick, uh, leading into that, Avante Maddox, their nickel corner, is uh, – I believe he's out. Just mm-hmm. completely ruled out already. That yes. may be pretty big for us. Um, but let's go into that. Do you want to tell me about what your thoughts are on the offense or defense first? Start with offense. Go ahead. I think I think this game is going to be won by offense. I think, uh, you know, Daniel Jones was just about perfect last week, and the question is going to be: Is he going to be perfect again this week with a much better defense he's playing against? Um, I hope so. <laughs> I you know, and this is not to say, well, you know, if he fumbles or something, oh, it's back to the same old, same old with Daniel Jones. I just think. We're going to have to play perfect football to beat this team on the road. It's going to be, you know, a raucous crowd. Um, you know, we can't do the things that will hurt us. And I don't mean just turnovers. I mean, we can't have false starts. We can't have, you know, untimely penalties. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to be on Daniel Jones. I think it's a lot of him just 
you know, being in command of this huddle and being command of the line of scrimmage, like we've so we've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, I think he's ready for this. I, I I think the last week was a big, you know, I, I I've never seen a quarterback or you know much players ever get this 180 from guys that people hated to all of a sudden now people are saying, well, he should get 40 million next year or you know he should be one of the highest paid quarterbacks. This really, you know. One game is what got everybody excited about him, I think, nationally. You know, we know as Giant fans, and we know doing this show, we've seen the progression from of him and the maturation of him in, in his game. Um, we're going to have to play close to a perfect game on, on offense, and I think that means taking shots and being successful taking shots. We can't play defensive on offense. So it's a mindset that we're going to have to do that and also be successful and execute. That makes sense. It actually makes perfect sense, and I, I think you're right about DJ. I, do you sense? Uh, I mean, I know. I don't know. I feel like this is kind of a stupid question, but do you sense a uh, a feeling of swagger coming into this game from the Giants? I feel more of a swagger from the fan base than I do the actual team. I think this. I think the team. You know, we haven't heard anybody mouthing off. We haven't heard. You know, it seems like it's been relatively low key. Um, I think this fan base has an incredible amount of swagger. I mean, if, if our fan base was playing Philly right now, I think we'd win this game just on our, you know, excitement level and just heightened expectation and you know all of that. Um, well, but well, I, let me let me let me throw out some things maybe you didn't see. So, did you okay. see like all the uh, practice clips today of them just kind of like dancing to music and stuff like that? Very, very loose practice today uh, with Daniel Jones breaking down the huddle, doing the gritty. <laughs> I did see that. Um. <laughs> well, okay. Here's here's one other thing. Yeah. They issued a thing out to the players not to swap their jerseys as they cannot get more. So they need to hold on to their jerseys until the end of their I, playoff games. That I saw as well. Okay. Um. Did you also see... I, Mm, never mind. I'm not gonna do that. I wasn't sure if like the weird pizza order thing that uh, the Giants did today was in response to Nick Sirianni as well. <laughs> he gets a fart for that, by the way. <laughs> for liking Pizza Hut. Yeah, there's, there's a time and a place for Pizza Hut. It's not for pizza parties. If you, yeah, I, it is. I guess if you're in the middle of nowhere like Philadelphia. <laughs> um, those are those to me. You know, that's that's a team that's confident and it's a team that's enjoying the ride. Um. I guess you can call it swagger, sure. I mean, but you you feel them rolling in like like they they know they can go in there and compete, right? Is that how it feels? Oh, oh absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I I I think uh, I think last week definitely solidified that. I think they felt, I you know, they, we said that this is the first time there's really a matchup between these two teams, and you know we kind of we kind of blew off that last game, but maybe there was something to having having the backups playing the way they did that this it energized this team you know i i don't know as a fan watching it i didn't think anything of it but you know something these guys are a a a team and you know whether you're daniel jones or you are the third string you know punt returner these guys all play for each other and they all you know they all seem to like each other we saw clips on the sideline of starters that were rooting for those guys and maybe you know 
they took more out of that game that they felt that they can play with Philly, even though we all know that that wasn't really Philly versus the Giants. So maybe, you know, you take that confidence going into the playoffs, you go into, you know, another hostile environment like Minnesota, you play just about flawlessly, you win, you get the, you know, the back page of the, of the newspapers, you get the seats courtside at the Garden, you have a week where the national media is kissing your ass. Yeah, you're going to, you know, feel good about yourself. And I don't think there's anything, you know, them not being tense, I, you know, having fun during practice and getting ready. That's all great. I mean, there's no reason to, there's no pressure on this team at all. Zero. Sure. Yeah. None. Nothing. You didn't. You didn't mention uh, Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay getting their uh, angry runs scepters, or <laughs> yeah, uh, Daniel Jones right. getting his slime time trophy, or whatever the hell it was. I mean, these are these are little things that you know. You see teams making these runs, and like you know, there's a catchphrase that the fan base uses, or there's our a way. Something. How do you think? How do you feel about our way? I think hey, it's dangerously close to a Burger King slogan is what I fucking think. <laughs> Let's not do that because <laughs> everybody – I don't know if you guys know or not, but commercials drive me insane. I got this <laughs> – you know how some people when, – when my wife has this, who, by the way, will be my guest at the Watts Party Saturday. Um, but she's got this thing, if you like, she can hear people eat, mm, like the chewing yeah. of your teeth, and it drives her insane. I, my, I have one is uh, people – trying to finish every last morsel of a drink with a straw that sound i i yeah. can hear it across a room it makes me want to fucking break the glass over their head Go well on. what drives me absolutely insane in the membrane is commercials that i hear three four six thirteen times a night watching a game and if you guys you know if you're nick fans and you watch games on the msg uh go app you know like especially last year it's not as bad this year but they basically had four commercials they played at every timeout, and I would bounce off the friggin' walls. So when you say that Burger King commercial, I'm already having PTSD from watching last week, and it was pretty funny how we were all singing the song at the watch party, but don't mention commercials to me because that is the thing that just drives me nuts. Um, so you did mention – getting off of that subject, sorry. Thank you. I, I didn't I, – I do think it is – Every time I read it, it's like I just want to put a Y in front of it and just be like, I, I can have it our way, I but, guess. But. Let me finish my point about that, though, is my point is that when these teams, you know, it teams and or fan bases kind of latch onto something and it's a movement and it gets, you know, it, it, it just builds excitement and it builds momentum and it builds confidence. And the biggest thing that this Giants team needs right now, you know, not that they they're, they're lacking it, is just the confidence that they can beat Philly. They lost to him twice. They're the one seed. They're on the road. They might get batteries thrown at them. Confidence, self-confidence. We can beat these fuckers. And then if next week they make they get that far and they're going to play potentially another team they lost to twice in a row, hey, fuck you. We're feeling good about ourselves. We are. We got momentum rolling. So, yeah, I like all of that stuff. Whatever works. That's my motto. I'm with you. Uh, you brought up a, a, an interesting thing in there, and it made me think. Um, I wish I were a little smarter uh, with with football we all stuff. Do, yeah, I we know, all. but I I I think that no matter what happens with this game, it would be a really interesting exercise to see what kinds of coverages and plays 
were run in that first matchup? And then what sorts of weird things were being tested out between both teams in that second matchup that ended up being used and or worked or didn't work or was figured out or something in this matchup? I really think I didn't. I didn't really think about it all that hard till you said that, but like I really wonder how much was poking and prodding on both sides of like, I wonder what happens if we do that. I didn't want to do this in a real game that mattered, but I really am curious, like, would this work? Doing this or putting this pressure on them or or how do they handle this? There's uh, there's two bits to that, I think. It's you know, it's the it's the scheme and the play call, but it's also the players that execute it too. So you know, you can try something in a game like that week eighteen, but well, well, especially with I would I agree with you. Uh, defense, uh, Wink Martindale is creative with personnel. So, mm-hmm. like like we were talking about Cordell Flott putting him out there on AJ Brown, simply because he's a second teamer. But now, you know, the way Fabian Moreau might have gotten abused on a play or two against AJ Brown in that first matchup. Maybe you've seen enough where you're like, maybe this is our best matchup right here. Put Cordell Flott and his physicality on AJ Brown and or, may or, use Fabian Moreau where there's a better matchup for him or something or like that. Put in a rotation where that way, you know, you're because Wink Martindale's defenses are as much about, you know, mental chaos as they are physical chaos. Yeah. And, you know, if you feel confident that maybe Cordell Flott might be a good matchup on Andy Brown. Not have to put him on there for every play, but you have the confidence that kind of like a pitch count thing, like we're going to try five plays where he's going to cover it and they're not expecting that potentially. And just having to think even for a second could throw off timing and patterns and things. So, yeah, I, if, if memory serves, I'm going to, I'm going to do more diving on this afterwards and I don't know, follow me on Twitter. If I discover anything, um, I'll post it before the game Saturday. But uh, I, I'm if memory serves, Wink started throwing just like blitz after blitz after blitz in that second matchup with the backups mm-hmm. at a certain point. And like, I'm really curious to see what kinds of interesting stuff he threw that maybe worked really well that he doesn't usually run that we should be on the lookout for, maybe alignment-wise or, you know, just something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what science experiments he ran in that game because I, I seem to remember there being, like, three drives where he just fucking brought the house on every single play or something right, like that. Right, right, um, we, we were talking about offense, though. I'm, I'm worried about Evan Neal. That first matchup, he looked like a disaster. Uh, I mean, like, he was literally running in circles at one point chasing, I think, Hassan Redick. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do because that first matchup they didn't have robert quinn uh now they do so well it's I, I'm, always, I'm i'm pretty worried about that i'm worried too but you know what's the alternative at this point we're kind of he has no, to play through it i just i don't know what schematically you do to help him uh i don't know that there's like a single guy in their rotation that's a matchup that favors Evan Neal, you know, skill set wise. Maybe mm-hmm. at best it's like Brandon Graham just because of age and whatever. But he's a he's a pretty savvy, smart veteran player. I don't I don't know, man. Keep the tight end more and have him ship more off the edge, I guess. I guess so. Run away from it. Do things to slow down the blitz like screen passes. I don't know, man. I'm worried about being predictable against this defense too. Mm-hmm. So I, I think so. This is another funny thing about the podcast I was listening to. Factually, just stupid things being said. Uh, the evidence for how bad Minnesota's defense was 
and and why that no credit should go to Daniel Jones or limited credit should go to Daniel Jones is that Kirk Cousins played well. That's how bad Minnesota's defense was. What does that even mean? Exactly. That makes no fucking sense. They know Kirk Cousins is a quarterback. Yes, a exactly. Quarterback? Their point was is that Kirk Cousins played flawlessly and they still lost. That's how bad the the defense is. But that is no correlation whatsoever. It's so fucking stupid. And they said I don't think this is what he meant. I think he meant personnel-wise there are worse defense because that's that's factually correct. But he said it's an easier scheme. It's a bad scheme. It's literally Vic Fangio's scheme. Both of these defensive coordinators are Vic Fangio disciples. Ed Donatello of the Vikings and Jonathan Gannon from the Eagles. It's a very similar scheme. What was the Vikings record at the end of the year? Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I but, mean, still, at the end of the day, you know, bad, bad defenses. And it's not – this wasn't the offense of, you know, uh, you know, whoever they had, uh, Randall Cunningham and, and Randy Moss and way back in the 90s. I mean, it's a okay offense, but they still won. They were still a two seed. Yeah, seriously. So let's not get crazy about it. Uh, silly. But one of the things that they did do against that defense was they forced cornerbacks into – coverages that they liked using motion and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So if you if you have what you see pre-snap that is a good favorable matchup and this is probably where the Avante Maddox injury comes into play. Um exploit that shit. Force mm-hmm. a matchup where Richie James has an advantage because that's probably your shiftiest guy, maybe Hodgins or something like that, but I like him more deeper, something like that. But um and then make that the make them adjust to have to stop James and hopefully that frees somebody else up. But I think that's probably or maybe putting Barkley in the slot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but I think they should be fairly similar with this style of defense that they can exploit stuff. I like having I like having the two running backs in the backfield. It feels like there's more things you can do, and that can you know. Haven't I been saying that shit for like years? Yeah, you have been. So I, I don't I don't know why more teams don't do that in general. Like I don't think you need, you know, necessarily a wide a, receiver out there, or or even a number two overall pick to do something like that. I think you could oh. just have two shifty running backs, and that's good enough to trick things up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's you know, I think like that uh, Debo Samuel style player and thing kind of plays into that too, or sort of like a hybridy, and uh, the way. Atlanta was using Cordell Patterson. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's, yeah. let's flip to defense. What, what are your thoughts? Tell me what you think. <sighs> I think we just, I think we just do all we can to bring the house as much as we can against Jalen Hurts and let them prove to us that he can run the ball and he can be mobile. Because if he can't, with our pressure, I think we can cause you know, game changing plays against him. But I would I would bring I would bring the house early and often and make them prove to us that, you know, what is his actual ability. That ends all of the are they playing possum? That ends all of this stuff. If we know right away what he is, you know, if he's at a hundred percent or he looks like he's seventy percent out there. I think that makes game planning for the rest of the game a lot easier. So that'd be my kind of first quarter goals is just, you know, Besides the front four, I would do the the most exotic page in the Wink Martindale playbook. I would start early and often and see how he can handle it. 
I love it, man. I I'm I'm thinking more and more about what you were saying about uh, you know, just that second game and experiment against them. because because again, I, I still feel like we have nothing to lose in this game. Yeah, you know. They're the one. They're the one seed. They're the team that everybody sucked off all year. They're the team that, you know, Philly fans have booked their their Super Bowl tickets already. We have nothing to lose. So, to me, go down fighting and go down fighting. The best thing that this defense does, and maybe the best overall unit on this team, is the pass rush, and go after that fucker. You know, even though if he's not a hundred percent, how much has he really played in the last month? Though know, at close to 100 percent and he had a bye week last week the week before was week 18 where he was just kind of getting the rust off then he was out for how many weeks so he has not been in any sort of flow or any routine in quite a while yet so you know he might develop a rhythm as the game goes on just shaking off rust but early on there might be some cobwebs so i think you go after that fucker yeah man i i keep thinking back to what you were saying about doing experiments in that that second matchup there and I, yeah. I agree with you. Give him looks you have never run before. You know, take something that you've shown before and do something different with it, and then run that right away. Seriously, the I, the the two things that this defense does well is confuse and pressure. Mm-hmm. So do it right away. Confuse the shit of him. Make them the make their too. whole game plan thrown in the garbage. And let's think about that that week eighteen where we were experimenting under the guise of well these are just backups. So how seriously, if you're Philly, do you look at the game film from that second week and you just say, oh, they're just trying to survive with backups or are we really disguising things that we want to try under the guise of backups in a, in a meaningless game? So you might be able to you know, sneak something in that they have seen but they have taken seriously because of the conditions. I, I also want you to – I want them to make Hertz think twice about running. Like – Pressure him, hit him. He said this week that everybody's got a target on him, and and I think what he meant is you know he's the quarterback, and so I don't every... think he meant it in a way of like target him to hurt him. I don't right. Think that. I don't think that either. Right. But that being said, I don't want him to be okay with just running all over the field. I want him to be hit enough dropping back that he doesn't want to run. There's two things we don't want. We don't want him back there like a statue all the time in the world who can throw and pick the defense apart, and we don't want him having easy designed running plays where he's knows exactly what he's going to do. We need to put him in a, a non-comfort zone, a feeling of distress. And he is hurt. He is going to naturally protect himself. Mm-hmm. So keep hitting him. Keep getting that pressure on. If he, yeah. It doesn't, I mean, it matters that he gets the ball out, but, you know, bury him. Put him on his ass every if time. To, if he has to get rid of it before he wants to, the chances are it's not going to be as downfield as the play they want to do. The things will be kept in front of us. And, you know, the big fear for me is an A.J. Brown, oh, he just got loose behind the defense for 70 yards. They scored like that. Yeah. You know, we had to minimize the, 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 the easy scores, the quick plays, the, you know, special teams fuck-ups, things like that, and make them earn their, their yardage. Yeah. I wonder, this is going to be interesting to see if they do go heavy, heavy pressure or if they go a lot more the – <clears throat> the zone defense stuff that we've seen from Wink lately uh, that's prioritized coverage over pressure. I have to think that at least some percentage of that decision last week had to do with how bad 
and banged up the Vikings' offensive line is. Mm-hmm. And and the, the thought that you can probably get sufficient pressure with only your front four, being that they're talented. Right. I do not think that that same mentality would be brought to this game. Yeah. I also think Wink Martindale's not a guy who's going to show you the same thing from week to week anyway. That's probably true. Yeah. Hit me with a prediction, man. Prediction. Giants-Eagles, it's been a pretty interesting playoff rivalry the last 20 or so years. I mean, I was at that game in 2000 with the the Jason Seahorn pick and everything. Um, I remember in 2006 being on a plane about to take off for the national championship game where we lost in the last second on a field goal. Um, Nothing would make the Eagles happier than to beat us in the playoffs, where I think the giant fan doesn't give a shit as much about Philly. We think of bigger and better things. The city of Philadelphia has an inferiority complex over the city of New York and everything, whether it's food, whether it's sports teams, whether it's, you know, we're upper class and they're lower class, whatever it is, you know, and they live to, you know, to beat us in anything. Um, Will that happen this week? (laughs) I've been thinking about this a lot and, you know, I know the Giant fan is extremely excited. I know they're a, they really, you know, in a period of a month or so, have gone from thinking this team is, you know, they've not kicked their coverage. You know, the record is maybe better than they really are to thinking this team's got a shot in the playoffs. And now, a lot of believers thinking this team might be the best team left in the, in, in the NFC. Uh, and Daniel Jones all of a sudden is now getting into that rarefied air of quarterbacks. I really, 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 really want to win this game. I hate Philly. You know, Grump and I have talked before with our biggest rival in the division, you know, and uh, I just don't think it's our time just yet. Uh, I think what's going to happen is we are going to battle him toe for toe. I think the biggest thing this team is going to win, and I think they've already got it, but I think they're going to get respect. I think, you know, I think we're going to lose this game, but very close. I think it's going to be higher scoring. I think it's going to be more in the line. I think our offense is still going to work. I just think for some reason it hurts is just healthy enough that he is going to, the storyline after the game is going to be like, this is why Jalen Hurts should be the MVP. And I think we're going to lose something like 28-24, but I think we come out of this game Again, with a lot of earned national respect from everybody and expectations super high for next year. I just think they all around have a better roster than we do being at home. I think coming off that big win last week, it's hard to maintain that when you are the lesser talented team. I'm very, very proud of this team for where we are up to this point. I just don't think we're quite there just yet to, you know, knocking off. If the, if the Eagles aren't as elite as they were early in the season, they are still among the elite teams in this league. I don't think we're quite there just yet. I'd love to predict it. I just my gut tells me that we're just going to fall just a little short. So there's nothing wrong. You know, we're going to be very, I'm going to be very, very upset after that. I'm probably not going to want to talk to anybody for a day or so. But there's nothing wrong if we lose a close game. I do not. I would be very, very shocked that this team gets blown out like it was in the first meeting. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I just think we're just a little short. But the gap is definitely narrowing. It's narrowed from a month and a half ago to now. I think this offseason, 
We will narrow the gap even further, but it's not quite there just yet. I, man, I, I thought about this a lot and it, it was, I, you said that you can't see them getting the, their, the shit kicked out of them. I could kind of see it. Um, okay. And the only reason I say that is because I, I don't know. I think, I think it's just one of those games. This is a team that it could get out of control quickly and all it takes is like a mistake or whatever. Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, it is what it is, whatever. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but I could see it. What I think is going to happen is this is going to be a really tight game, really tough. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be the highlight game of the weekend. Um, and I think it's going to come down to a field goal. Uh, that is every Giant fan's like, I don't know, I guess from a playoff perspective, every Giant fan would be like, have positive memories of that, right? Um, oh, nineteen ninety. You know the 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 uh, that's that's the Matt not... Barr kick for us and the uh, the, the kick, you know the the Scott Norwood went against us. But also, like I said, we lost a last second field goal to Philly in the two thousand and seven playoff game too. Eight. Was it eight or was it seven? No, seven. We won the Super Bowl. I was going. Then it was 2008. Yeah, I was on a plane going to a championship game, so it was yeah, 2008. My bad. But that was. I mean, that was also that was the season that Plaxico Burris shot his leg and right, and, right, right. You know, whatever. But getting old, guys. I, yeah. I, I was thinking more along the line: the kick at Green Bay, the kick at San Francisco, and then also Scott Norwood. What you know, whatever. But more my, often my than point not, is success with kicks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my point is, I guess I don't know. I think it's going to come down to a field goal and. Uh, my gut says it's going to be a heartbreaker for us. My heart says we are going to be jumping up and down and being like, how did we get here? I think this one ends even tighter than what you said. 24-23. I think it's a little lower scoring because I think, uh, I don't know. I think the defense is kind of figured. Well, I think they're a really tough defense, really tough defense. And mm-hmm. I think we kind of figured out some of their stuff. And uh, I think that Jalen Hurts, I don't know. We didn't get a chance to play them the first time. The backups played pretty well against the vanilla version. I feel pretty good about it. I think it's going to be tight and lower scoring. I'm going to just say Giants 24, Eagles 23 because I did my part this week. Hey, I, listen, I hope to God you're right and I'm wrong. Well, I, you know. <laughs> either way, I might have a heart attack before the ball goes through the uprights or misses or whatever happens. If it's that cl- – I, I, because if we lose, it's understandable and I'll live. But I am going to be furious for about 48 hours. I'm yeah. going to be pissed for about a week and I'm going to be mad about it for probably ever. But after that first week, I think I will come to grips with the fact that all of this was house money. It is insane that they competed yeah. in a divisional round against the number one seed, and it came down to right. where it came These down to. These are conversations so. and thoughts that we will have later on. Because the last thing I need for anybody to tell me, either to my face or on Twitter or anywhere, is that you didn't expect to be this far anyway, so you should just enjoy it. Go fuck yourselves. That's I mean, not, it, it, that's, it's correct, but it's also that's that's a give me seven days first. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one hundred percent correct, but we don't want to hear that right now. You yeah. know, when you 
Yeah. If that's the case, then we just watch it and be like, oh, this is fun. Oh, yeah, well, whatever. That, that's like, like, we're, that's we're like for three hours. catching your girlfriend cheating on you in the act and so, and immediately turning around and seeing someone who's like, well, time heals all wounds, man. Yeah, you, you weren't going to marry thanks. her anyway. Thanks. Thanks so much. I need that right this second. Yeah, thanks, dear Abby. All right, let's go around the rest of the weekend. Jacksonville at Kansas City. Is the uh, the Doug Peterson magic and Trevor Lawrence magic continuing? Nope. Nope. Don't think so either. Um, got anything special on that one? or? Nope. All right. <laughs> I'm not really even thinking about the AFC right now. Well, this one, the Cincinnati at Buffalo, I think, is really interesting. Isn't sure. that the, that's the neutral site game, right? Yes. Uh, I, no. No. I think it's it, only the neutral site would be if it's the AFC Championship game. I right, right, right. That would be in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and I guess in that scenario, is that that's the AFC Championship no matter what? I thought it was based upon it, if, if the seedings worked out that it would have to be like right. Okay, that's what I thought too. I I wasn't right. paying attention because I didn't care. But yeah, um, Cincinnati at Buffalo. I think that's interesting. Uh, both teams struggled against uh, interesting. <laughs> quarterbacks there well cincinnati buffalo i mean they started to play and then obviously that game got canceled because of the injury so it's going to be a weird thing having them back on the field again together so you know who knows what they're going to have before the game and stuff it kind of i don't think they'll have ceremonies or anything but it's going to be a weird feeling of like now we're finally playing each other um what do you think josh allen what's what's your take on him well he hurt his elbow this year Mm mm-hmm which not many people seem to talk about. I feel like that's a really important factor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know why people wouldn't talk about that. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think he hurt his elbow. I think he's good enough to play. But, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. We, there, there are times where there's just a season and you're like, hey, you know, Joe Schmo is not really playing that well. Mm-hmm. He's not on the injury report, nothing like that. And then you hear that they had, like, some clean-out sur- surgery in the offseason. And they were playing with like a busted up ankle or something, and you had no idea. And you're like, "Oh, that's why they were playing a that was a shitty left guard all year." You know, it, it feels like the over the top hype for Daniel Jones is equal to the over the top dumping on Josh Allen right now. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think either is necessarily accurate in, in how much praise Jones is getting and, and and the dumping that he's getting. Like he's yesterday's news. Um, also, he's throwing at Eli Apple. I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> yeah. I I just don't understand that that family's, like, insistence on living with feet in their mouths. Like, just shut up. Just sh- You look so stupid being wrong all the time. Talk such a big game. And, like, well, I don't need to get into any examples of... Uh very important figures in this country that just seem to make a living and get more publicity and attention and fall upwards from doing such things. So, you know, speaking of course of me, yeah, of course, like, you know, it just, it's in fame is intoxicating. And when you have, you surround yourself with yes men and yes women and people that just won't tell you you're making mistakes and you get reactions from people and it gives you more clicks and gives you more followers and get you on, you know, more shows and things. And you have no self, uh, you know, if you're shameless enough to you know, have a thick skin for it, 
Why would you stop? I mean, who the fuck cares about Eli Apple's mom? But, you know, she gets attention and, you know, it seems like we forget about her for 11 and a half months a year. But in the playoffs, Eli Apple's fucking mom is trending on my Twitter <laughs> thing. All right. So who wins this game? I still think Buffalo wins. So do I. Yeah. Dallas at San Francisco. This is a fun one, too. Spicy. I'm going to say San Francisco, but I think this is where we start seeing the like the Brock Purdy magic falter <laughs> a little bit. The cracks in the armor there. But also, I think this is where we start. We come away from this game with the Mike McCarthy conversation again. You know, Mike McCarthy's job was not saved because he played a 73-year-old Tom Brady who... Looked like me throwing left-handed. He I mean, played as old as Lovey Smith looks. Oh, God. I mean, he was awful. You know, and I don't want to hear, I know they fired Byron Leftwich today. I know, and again, I get 23,000 text messages during every Buck game. And I'm not even a Bucks fan from my friends about how much they hate the coaches, how much they hate the team and everything. But you know something? I watched that game Monday night, and one thing stuck out to me is they cannot run the ball. And Tom Brady is washed. And there are reports of three teams interested in next year. Good luck, you know, because he is done. He looked awful. He couldn't even, you know, just complete basic pass. He looked like a bad college quarterback. Because, you know, when you see, like, when Florida plays some scrub and they come into the swamp and they have this quarterback who just is completely inaccurate and, like, this guy can't even throw. That's what he looked like. But... So you think this is a San Francisco game? I think this is a San Francisco game. I think that defense is playing really, really well, and I think Dak has another brutal game. I don't care what happened this past week. I think that I think that Bucks team was done anyway. Um, I think Purdy just is one of the great Jeff Hostetler game managing jobs he'll do in in this game. Um, and I just think they got they just have enough weapons to get the ball to that I, I think I think San Francisco wins. I agree. I'm gonna hit you with one more prediction. Ooh. I should have said this during the Giants thing. I might edit this in. I probably won't. But um so the Giants have done a lot of things this year with this new regime, obviously, right? Like they ended their playoff drought. Mm-hmm. They Daniel Jones showed that he is a winner. You know, the, the goalposts for grading Daniel Jones included, you know, he can be a good deep ball passer, but he just doesn't win games. Okay, fine. He You know, he turns over too much. Okay, fine. That, you know, now he's doing that. You know, he, he doesn't throw very well. Or, you know, his, his passing stats are always like 110 yards. Okay, fine. He won a playoff game. Okay, fine. So Daniel Jones has passed a lot of the goalposts that were set out ahead of him that – he needed, frankly, he needed to prove that he could do. I said that in a condescending way, and I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've also broken the curse of the boat trip. They won their divisional game. I predict that they break the curse of Boston Scott. And I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure what that means. I think maybe maybe that means they shut him down in this game, and he never has a never, another good game against the Giants. Maybe, oh, geez, maybe he has a season-ending injury that – I, I don't know. I think Ooh. this is the, the – they will never hear the Boston Scott thing again. That stupid 
weird story that people love to talk about, I think it finally ends this game. Win or lose. That's my my bold. Either that or he has four touchdowns. (laughs) Well, if he has four touchdowns, I have a feeling I'm going to have a lot more interesting and important things to talk about than him. (laughs) Um, Because I don't want them scoring 28 points in this game. All right. That's going to do it for us. We are going to be at the Talking Giants watch party again. It's at a different place this time. Uh, in the Bronx. I don't know the name of it. Cranky. Billy's Billy Sports Bar up in the Bronx, right across from Yankee Stadium. It's a big open space for any of you who uh, are a supporter of NYCFC. That's where we had a lot of our um, early watch parties and pre-match meetups. So it's a big, um, a big space, big bar, big, big TVs. So it'll be good. I mean, it's a more open layout than last week's watch party was. Um, so if you don't have tickets for that, get tickets for that. I don't know if it's sold out yet or not. Yeah, support but. those guys because they are doing a lot of fantastic work this week. Um, they, I know they had the entertainer was on there, lots of good breakdowns and stuff. So you know they're they're friends of ours. They do. We can't thank them enough for their support of our show, and you know we want to support them as much as we can too. Absolutely, and, and, and quite frankly, you should go just because it's fun. Even if you've never listened to talking, you don't hey, know what we're talking about. You should just go because it, it it was so much fun. It was a lot of fun because you know obviously they're all giant fans there, but it's all a bunch of good guys and girls that were there. I mean, it was there was no dicks there. There was nobody that's you know nobody was obnoxious. I mean, nobody was. We were, we were all equally obnoxious. Yeah, we, we, there's people that just you know, it's an that was always been my goal for this show and was that and for all these shows is to make giant fans the smartest fan base in the country right you know and i'm not saying that we're smart to do that but the more that you guys listen to great shows like talking giants and you know locked on giants and 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 hopefully the stuff that grump talks about you know you can be smarter than the 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 average fan and not just be a dummy and i think we had a group there that was watching that was a pretty educated you know fan base and yeah, that makes it so much more fun to you know they've suffered this is a fan base also that has suffered through a long time of badness too see it was just an outpouring of relief that we're relevant and good again so definitely uh definitely go if the tickets are still available check it out and this is not like sitting next to the meatheads you sitting next to you at MetLife who are just looking to get really wasted and act like an asshole and try to fight these are Good people, good giant fans. We tailgate with these guys. We interact all the time on Twitter, um, and it was really fun. We met some new friends also, which was great, and uh, hope to do that again on Saturday. Yeah, it was it was awesome. We did meet some new people. Some people came up to us. Uh, I think I jumped on the show at one point. Um, yeah, that was great. It was it was a lot of fun, and uh, you should go. In the meantime, you should follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, wherever audio podcasts are, and, of course, on YouTube. So when you refer to a friend, be sure to tell them that. And we will see you all Saturday night. Until then, let's fucking go Giants. Giants.